you. Uh, thanks, John. Uh, thanks, John, for sharing. Um, I wasn't uh, texting uh, John. I emailed him, and usually uh, he emails back really quickly, and then someone told me he was doing a root canal, which I learned uh, several things about. I guess uh, when you're doing surgery, uh, you're not always focused on what you're doing, uh, something about sterile field or something like that. But, um, and then second, even, yeah, you know, we, we all get nervous. We all get nervous sharing our story, but it's an important part of, of, of our uh, relationship with the Lord, being able to communicate that to, to those so, uh, to those who uh, the Lord has put around us with whom we can share. So, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, John, for sharing. This, um, boy, earlier this week, I was uh, kind of walking around, <laughs> I forgot what I was doing in my house, but I heard uh, our, our son, Elijah, he's five, he was, uh, he was talking, and I went into, uh, I went into my, my bedroom, and Elijah was kind of laying on his stomach on, on my bed, and he was talking. No one else was in the room. So I got closer to him, I realized he was having a conversation with Siri on my phone. So I listened to what he was saying, and uh, uh, how did the conversation start? Uh, I think he said, uh, oh, he said, oh, okay, he said, hey, Siri, what are you doing? And she said, right now, I'm talking with you. He said, where are you, Siri? <laughs> and she said, wherever you are, that is where I am. And he said, Siri, uh, what do you need? And she said, all you need is love and an iPhone. <laughs> and so he responded to her, I need love, but I don't need an iPhone. I want an iPhone. And my auntie said, when I turn 13, I might be able to get my own. At that point, I ended the conversation. I said, Elijah, what are you doing? I didn't want this artificial intelligence telling him what he did and did not need. And so I took it from him, and I thought that was funny. But we're hearing things like this all the time, aren't we? People are always telling us what we need. Every time you turn on the TV, you need this new car, or you turn on the TV, and, and you need this new, like, health supplement, or you listen to the radio, you need this, these kind of shoes, or you need a boyfriend, or you need a wife, or whatever it is that we need. Uh, there's a lot of things that the world tells us that we need. And we're in this series called One Thing, where we're looking at five times in the Bible where specifically this phrase, one thing, comes out. And today, I'm going to tell all of you who are running around life trying to figure out what is it that I need, I'm going to tell you what Jesus says is the one thing that you need. Let's look at Luke chapter 10. The reason we start out our year with this series is because I want to really help us to focus in not being distracted by many things, but by being conquered in our hearts by one thing. Last week, we looked at the one thing we do in life. What is your New Year's resolution? For Paul, it was not just a New Year's resolution, but as the old song says, this will be my resolution. Every day is New Year's Day. This could start a revolution if every day is New Year's Day. And what was that resolution? He said, I want to know Christ. Right, one thing I do, actually two things, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead in order that I might know Christ more. And so uh, I said, the New Year's resolutions that we make, whatever they are, to be in fellowship with people, to come to church every Sunday, to be in a house church, to read the word X amount of minutes a day, to be in prayer a certain amount of time, to whatever it is, be accountable with somebody. All of these things are the what behind the why. The why is so that we might know Christ more. 
The why is as important to us as the what. And so this morning what I want to talk about is what is the one thing that we need in life. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. We're going to read verse, uh, uh, through verse 42. This is the word of God for the people of God. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what she said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. This is God's word. This is a very simple passage, right? It's, it, to, to me, the beauty is in its simplicity. The beauty is in the fact that it's so relatable to us. It's not like he's doing a miracle and we don't really see miracles all that much these days. It's not like Jesus is doing something that we couldn't do. He's like, you know, doing something crazy, healing a dead person. But it's something that happens all the time in life, just hanging out, a group of people, a very simple lesson. <clears throat> Jesus rolls up to this lady Martha's house, Mary, her sister's there also. They respond to Jesus in two completely polar opposite ways, and Jesus commends one, and not only commends one, he says, she has actually found the one thing in life that you need, right? the thing that Siri did not tell Elijah but the thing that I will reveal to you today. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, what is it? What is it? What's going on here? Three thoughts. Um, three thoughts. Here's the first one. The busyness of life. Okay, the busyness of life can easily distract you from the one thing that you need. Okay, the busyness of life can easily distract you from the one thing that you need. Uh, a, few, a few years ago, it was a Sunday morning, I got a Facebook message from a, uh, from a friend um, a friend of Olive's and mine, her, uh, her husband is a pastor uh, up in a, in a major city, and she, she messaged saying, hey, one of my, one of my church members is uh, in Orlando for work, and I told him to go to your church, so just kind of look out to see if, uh, to see if he comes. Uh, that, that happens every now and then. Somebody will, will send me a message, hey, DL, uh, someone's going to be at your church next week, or a couple weeks someone's going to be there, or someone's going to be here today. Um, <clears throat> but what's different about this one was the kind of work that this guy did was very different. He was a professional, he is a professional basketball player in the National Basketball Association. And so I thought, wow, that would be kind of cool. And so as I get this message, we're in the middle of worship and we're singing songs. I'm not going to turn around and look to see if he's there. But when I came up to preach, I was thinking in my mind, as I look out, I'm going to see uh, an NBA basketball player. He didn't come that day. But I thought to myself, what if he did? Like, how would we, as a congregation, respond? Because I think we would all have recognized who he was. How would we have responded? Uh, I think it would have been a little bit embarrassing, but um, I thought about that. How would you respond if you saw, so maybe, maybe you don't get excited about an NBA basketball player. Maybe you're just like, oh, there's some tall dude over there. But what if it was a, a YouTube star that you watch 
on YouTube. I don't know what you watch on YouTube, but somebody, someone really exciting that you get all amped up about. Or it's a, a K-pop star. Oh my gosh, this like singer or this actress or this actor or, you know, whoever it is. And oh my gosh. And, and you go crazy like the crowd on, on the Ellen or Oprah show when a Korean K-pop group comes on and you're really excited. What would you do? What would you do? if it, Okay, it's not church, but through a friend of a friend, they say to you, hey, we're going to go to your house on Sunday, and we're just going to hang out. How would you respond? I think some of us respond, would respond like Martha. We'd get really excited. We'd run home, and we'd be like, oh, my gosh, I've got to clean the floor, and I've got to put away the dishes, and I've got to cook this food. I've got to do all these things. And, and others would respond like Mary. Right? You just want to hang out with this person, get to know them. Manny, our girl, um, they're, they're, they're playing something, and they break up into teams, and they start getting into an argument, and they need a tiebreaker. And so they go to Elise, our three-year-old, and they say, Elise, Elise, come over here. And then Elise runs over there. And then one of them is grabbing one of her arms. The other is grabbing another arm, and she's going like this. And she thinks it's so funny that they're fighting over her, and she's giggling. And, and come on my side, come on my side. And I'm like, guys, stop. You're going to pull her arms apart. You're going to break her apart. Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha, you're being pulled apart in all these different directions. What was Martha's problem? Okay, Martha's problem was not that she's serving Jesus. It's not that she's busy doing things for Jesus. The problem is that she's distracted from the one thing that really matters in life. And he says, Mary found that one thing. And it won't be taken from her. Saying, Martha, you are being pulled and distracted by all of these different things. And I think we understand what this feels like. Right? You've got someone calling you out this way. Someone calling you out that way. you got to go to work. you got to do your homework. Your parents are telling you something. you got to drive your kids to soccer. you got to drive your other kid to cooking class. you got to finish this after-school activity. you got to be a chaperone on this field trip. you got to go to this group project, and you're pulled in all these different directions. And Jesus says, listen, you're being pulled in all these different directions that you fail to see the one thing that you need. And that's just to sit at Jesus' feet and to have a relationship with him. Can I ask you just a very honest and personal question? When's the last time you were able to just pull away from all of those voices, all of that stuff, and just sit at Jesus' feet? I can't do that because you don't understand the, 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 the program I'm in. You don't understand the IB thing I'm in. You don't understand that I'm here for 30 days of vision camp. You don't understand that I'm about to get married. You don't understand all of the things I've got going. I don't have time for all that stuff. If you don't have time to sit at the feet of Jesus, that's not a time management issue, friends. That's a priority issue. Right? It's a priority issue. Because at the end of the day, only one thing is needed. Many things want you. Many things say they need you, but you and I only need one thing, a relationship with Jesus. That's what John said. Right? That's what Jesus said. That's what the Bible says through and through. Only one thing is needed. Martha missed out on that. 
because she was pulled in all these different ways. You feel like that? Mary got it, though. In fact, there are three times in the Gospels that Mary is talked about. And every one of these three times, she's in the same place. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. The first time was when her brother Lazarus died. She falls before Jesus' feet and says, Lord, I needed you. I needed you. Where were you when I needed a friend? I'm just, where were you when I needed you the most? The second time here, the third time was right before Jesus died. She breaks into a room just like this, filled with men. She's not even supposed to be there. And she takes a jar with a year's worth of alabaster, uh, an alabaster jar with a year's worth of oil in there. It is valued at a year's worth of wages. You work for a year. And she took it and she broke it and she anointed Jesus with it, sitting at his feet. Because that's all she wanted. She knew the one thing that we need is to sit at his feet. And every one of those three times, she's sitting at Jesus' feet, something was distracting her from doing it. It was the death of her brother. It was the people telling her, you're not supposed to be here. It was her sister saying, you need to be in the kitchen helping me out. Guys, there will always be things that pull you away from your relationship with Jesus, from sitting with him. Good things, great things, excellent things, which are not the one thing. And they'll constantly be pulling you away from a relationship with Jesus. You can be busy for God without actually knowing him. You can be running around for Jesus without actually Loving Jesus. Saying, this is the one thing that you need. Like, don't miss out on that. It's the first thing. A lot of things, okay, a lot of times the busyness of life will distract you from the one thing. Second thing, okay, this is huge. Without this one thing, your busyness will become bitterness. Guys, without this one thing, without a relationship with Jesus, without sitting at his feet, all your busyness for him is going to lead to bitterness. So what does Martha do? Well, she's doing all of this stuff. Mary is nowhere to be found, just chilling with Jesus. And so maybe she mutters under her breath, oh, I wish somebody could help me. Don't we do this sometimes? We get this like passive aggressive. Man, this is really hard. This is really a two-person job, but man, I'm doing it all by myself. Man, it's really hard to put the team on my back and carry the... Maybe she got passive aggressive, but it says here, finally she comes. It says um, in verse 40, middle of verse 40, she came to him, Jesus, and asked. Okay. This completely misses out on the forcefulness of what Mary is doing. It literally says she erupted out of there and came to Jesus and said, don't you care that I'm left all by myself to do all this stuff? The number one symptom, guys, that you and I are missing out on the one thing that is needed is that we will become bitter in the midst of our busyness. Have you become bitter, my friends? Do you complain about the service that you offer to the Lord? 
Has it become a duty? Has delight degenerated into simple duty? And as a result, you go and you complain to God. God, why is it only me? Why doesn't anyone else care about church? Why does no one else care about these people? Why does no one else want to step up to the plate? And we begin to feel this sense of self-righteousness because we feel like God owes us something. God, don't you care about me? Don't you see how many times I've, I've, I've uh, given rise to these people and they never once offer to pay for my gas? <laughs> you know all the times that I've taught these people and Christmas rolled around, they didn't give me anything. No Christmas gift, not even a card. I wanted a condo. I wanted a Volvo. I didn't even get a card. What is it? What's up with that, God? Don't you care that they don't care about me? I'm doing this all by myself. Do you complain to God? Because in the midst of your busyness, you feel like you're being shortchanged. See, the problem with Martha, though she's serving the most beautiful one, the world would, that history is divided by his singular Altogether beautiful, powerful, earth-shaking, world-changing, mind-boggling life. She's too stressed to be blessed. And she doesn't realize the beauty of the one for whom she's serving and the one for whom she's so busy. Do you feel like that sometimes? And she doesn't only get mad. She doesn't just get bitter at God. She gets bitter at Mary. Jesus, don't you care? Tell her to help. She won't even talk to Mary. She won't even talk to her. She ices her out. Says, Jesus, you tell her. God, would you just put it on these idiots' hearts to, to get up and to serve me and, and, and not to serve me, but to help me serve you. Right, God, could you do that? Could you throw me a bone? Do you feel like that? You start looking with disdain upon other people. As you clean the floors on Sunday and you've just mopped them and squeaky clean, you got all the dirt off, and then someone walks with their dirty shoes on the floor. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Can't you tell? I mean, at least take your shoes and socks off. You're going to walk on. I just mopped this floor. Why are you just standing there? Can't you see that you're right in my path of cleaning? Can you like move out of the way? What's wrong with these people? Do you ever feel like that? Thank you, because I feel like that too. Oh, I feel like that too sometimes. Not about you all, <laughs> but about other people. Lord, what's wrong with these people, non-harvest people? Like, what's wrong with them? And the Lord God says, David, David, you're worried. You're being pulled in so many different ways. But only one thing is needed. Just one thing. It's come. And sit with me. Just be with me. Remember the gentle and loving and beautiful voice of the one who calls you his own and has enlisted you into the service of the King of Kings, the Almighty God. Just come back to that place. Right? Don't let your busyness distract you and degenerate into bitterness. And so it was. And God is calling Martha back to him. Now, this series is called One Thing, but really, it could really be called Before You Leave Harvest, Get This. Because, you know, there's going to be people 
who legitimately feel called away from our church to go to college, to get a job, whatever it might be, and you're going to go somewhere else. And I'm fine with that, right? We're not territorial. We exist to glorify God as we equip and then send you out to change the world. You go and do that. More power to you. We need more people out in the world. Come and join the reapers, all you kingdom seekers, laying down your lives to find it in the end. Go. That's what we exist for. Some of us are going to go if we've been busy. Like People have been busy for the Lord, right? So faithful, so active, so involved. And then if you've got the one thing, you're going to go and you're going to kill it wherever you go. And I love hearing from people like that. I love seeing on social media, this is us. We're at a retreat. Man, we miss our church harvest, but at the same time, we're thriving here. We're plugged into this ministry. Here we are with our small group. Here we are on this mission trip. Here we, here's our children, and they're diving into the pool at this retreat. Here's our kids, and they're memorizing scripture. I love that. Because they were busy for the Lord here, and they're busy for the Lord there because they've got this one thing that drives everything. That's the why behind the what. And then sometimes we'll see people, they come back for a vacation, they come back for a break, or they come back from somewhere, we see them, and you're like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, these people were so actively involved, so busy in doing things for the church while they were here. How's it going, man? How's everything going? And they're like, oh, you know, I haven't been able to find a church. But it's been like a year out. It's been six months now. I haven't been able to find a church. Why not? The reality for the great majority, is that when they were here, they saw a lot of people doing stuff. They didn't see what lied beneath the surface, that there was one thing that they got, the relationship with Jesus. They just saw the busyness. They saw the activity. And so when there was an opportunity, they stepped up without growing up. And so when the opportunity was gone, they stepped back down because they never grew up. And they go to a new place And it's not as easy to find community and places to serve because they're strangers in a new place. And then they begin to blame God. They begin to blame the community. They begin to blame other people and say, there's just no place like this. And there I realize that I, as a pastor and we as a church, have failed to equip people so that wherever they go, they can live for God. Because they never had the one thing that they needed in the first place. Do you have that one thing? I don't care if you're busy for God. I don't care if you're serving for God. I don't care if you're doing all these things, even if you're doing it for me and I get blessed from it. Do you have the one thing that you really need to sit at his feet, to hear his voice, to hear the gentle whisper of love, to have a relationship with Jesus? Because if you don't, your busyness will easily become bitterness and will lead to burnout. The second thing, last thing then, last thing. You need to sit at Jesus' feet before you can be his hands and feet. You need to sit at his feet before you can be his hands and feet. And a lot of us want to be the hands and feet of Christ. We're the body of Christ. But in order for that to happen, you got to sit at his feet. Sometimes I um, talk to people right, from different parts of ministry, and um, 
I remember during this like one season, like for our, our youth ministries praise team several years ago, this was kind of like the hip thing to say for whatever reason. Hey, how come you haven't been uh, at praise team meetings lately? Oh, I'm, I'm taking a break. What does that mean? You're taking a break. Uh, I just, I need, a, I, need a, I need a break or I'm feeling burnt out. Whatever, whatever you know, it is that we do. That burnout happens sometimes. I'm feeling burnt out. Why? Why are you feeling that way? I'm just, I feel like I've got no time for anything. I'm just going, 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 and, and my heart feels dry. The simple diagnostic question that I would ask, are you sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his voice, talking to him? If you're burnt out 99% of the time, because you're not actively engaged in walking with Jesus. You are pulled in a lot of different ways. You're worried and upset because you're distracted, and that's leading you to feel like, I've got to be the strength of my own heart. Psalm 73 says, you know what? My heart and my flesh, they will fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Right? So many of us who burn out, are burning out because we're doing it on our own. Because we're not sitting at Jesus' feet and we have become like Martha. Busy with a form of godliness. I'm serving Jesus, but devoid of its power. The ones who are most effective as his hands and feet for Christ are the ones who are most intimately sitting at the feet of Jesus. Did you know that the way you do the work of God could hinder the work of God through you? Hello. Did you know that? Hey, the way you do the work of God could actually hinder the work of God through you. Okay, I heard this a while back. Uh, a counselor said this. You know how to have a happy baby, right? babies who don't know anything? You know how to have a happy baby if the parent is always smiling at the baby, right? Why? Because the baby, oh, the baby only understands through social cues and interaction. So the baby sees mommy and daddy smiling, and the baby thinks, wow. I make my mommy and daddy smile. I must be someone beautiful. By looking at the parent's expression, the baby sees the worth of his own or her own heart and life. The same is true when it comes to serving God. When people look at the way that you serve, the joy on your face or the lack thereof, they say, wow, that person really finds joy in serving the Lord. The way they do this mission trip, the way they serve our house church, the way they teach Sunday school, the way they mop the floor, they really see the beauty of Jesus. Or they don't see the beauty of Jesus. The way you do the work of God can hinder the work of God through you. And so we need to sit at Jesus' feet if we want to be his hands and feet. That the most effective people for the kingdom of God are the ones who are most intimately sitting at the feet of Jesus in his presence. And so for the first time, Martha hears the tender whisper that her sister heard. Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. Have you heard that voice speaking to you? If you haven't heard it for a while, it might surprise you. 
few, uh, few months ago, I was uh, leading a small group at a conference. And uh, I forget, there was maybe like eight to ten people. Like some of our harvesters were there. But there was this one girl, our first session, this one girl was there. And uh, I asked everyone to go around and say their name. And she's like, I can't talk. <laughs> I, I laughed at her. I said, that's funny. I said, what did you say? She said, I can't talk. <laughs> I was like, what's wrong with you? And she wrote on a piece of paper, I think, or, she, or someone told us that she went to Disney World yesterday, and she was screaming so loud that she couldn't talk. So she said, I can't talk. I was like, okay, you just listen, right? If you have this, like, brilliant thought that requires you to strain your vocal cords for, then you could say something or type it out or text or, or write it on a piece of paper. And so um, maybe like four or five small group sessions came and went, and she's like, I still can't talk. <laughs> so we got to the last session. Got to the last <laughs> session. And I was going to skip over her and just go to everyone else. And she's like, I have my voice back. Well, she said, I have my voice back. <laughs> and, and when she said that, she had the most amazing British accent. And we're like, what the heck? Like, you sound like that? And it was amazing to us. And we're like, keep on talking, right? We missed out on this for like five sessions. Keep on talking. The point is, when we don't hear someone's voice, when we begin to hear it for the first time, oh, it can be something so beautiful to us, can't it? And the voice of Jesus as it speaks to Martha isn't this like, Verse 41, if you look at it, it's not like, Martha, Martha, look what you've done. You've blown it. Like everyone sees how angry you are, right? Everyone saw you erupting out of the kitchen. See what you've done. No one is happy here. You've just tainted, contaminated the environment of this very room. This is awful. What's wrong with you? Martha, Martha, with all tenderness and love, you're worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. For the first time, she stops to listen to the beauty of that voice that calls her by name. And I don't know, for me, I I just feel like To me, I don't think that it was just that Mary was doing all of this stuff and she was left alone to do it. I feel like Martha was, if this was me, I'd be like, man, why does Mary get to sit at Jesus' feet? And I don't get to do that. Why does she get to soak in the blessing of intimacy with the Savior? And I'm stuck doing these things. And what Jesus is saying is not, I'll send Mary over there. He's saying, you should come over here and sit at my feet also. He says, before you become the servant, I want you to be served by me. This is why, guys, we, I've prayed about this honestly for about five years. But we are finally in April starting another service because I don't want a bunch of Marthas running around who are so 
busy thinking about, I've got to greet these new people. I've got to prepare the, the, the snacks after service. I've got to run from here to there so that you who serve and are so busy doing things for Christ would be able to come and just sit at his feet and do nothing but receive. Because even when you come to worship on Sunday morning, many things are pulling you away from sitting at the feet of Jesus. Last Sunday after our worship service, um, I had some meetings and Olivia had some meetings after, after church as well. And we had meetings in different homes at, where we ate dinner and then we came back home at night and I hadn't seen Olive much that day and uh, we're putting different kids to bed in, in the rooms and, and then I came out and, and, and she was out and then she went into the room, uh, into the bedroom and I, I figured that she'd be out in just a, a few minutes but um, she wasn't coming out and so... I started getting upset. I started thinking to myself, well, I didn't think to myself. I said to her, I said, oh, we hadn't, I hadn't seen you all day long. What are you doing in there? Um, actually, I did think that. And then, she, you know, she was still in. And then she came out. I said, Olive, it's like 10 o'clock. I ain't seen you all day long. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Let's watch our, you know, we didn't watch our TV show on our queue from last week. We got our DVR. We got a movie to watch. What are you doing? Let's just relax. My Sunday's done. I'm free as a bird. And, and she's like, I'm just spending time with Jesus. And then I, I should have been like, okay, you go and do it. But I got more, I got upset. Uh, I'm not going to say, don't do that. But I said, come out here and do it with me then. And she's like, no, I just, um, I forgot what she said, but I just remember feeling like a big jerk. And yeah, great job, daddy. Great job, pastor, right? Some things, even pastors and husbands who think they love the Lord will distract you from loving Jesus and sitting at his feet. And I was proud of my wife that day, as I always am, but some things more than others. Because when we got married, the pledge we both made was that I will love Jesus more than I love you. And if it ever gets skewed, then we're, can I, no, I can't say that. Then, then everything gets messed up. Yeah. Many things are going to distract us. So what do we do? Well, look at what Jesus says. Mary has chosen what is better. Now, you choose this. It's a choice that you make. What are you choosing to do with the time of your, uh, in your day? What are you choosing to do? It's not because you and I don't have enough time. It's because we've chosen a bunch of other things above the one thing that's really needed that relationship with Jesus, and where everyone else told Mary, get out, you shouldn't be there. Martha said you shouldn't be there. In John chapter 12, the disciples say you shouldn't be there, Mary. But isn't it interesting? Because disciples who sit at the feet of their rabbi were only supposed to be men. But Jesus has given access to one who could not be there before. And when everyone else said you're not supposed to be here, Jesus said, no, I embrace you with open arms. This is what Jesus does. 
He allows the people who ought not be there, from loners to losers to leaders to anybody, whomever you are. He says, I don't care who you are. It is by grace that you come into the presence of God. Not by your works, not by your busyness, not by your performance, but by grace and the mercy of God. Because the ground at the foot of the cross is even that sinners and saints alike can sit at the feet of Jesus. And he says, come. And when everyone else says, get up from that place, go away, Jesus says, this one thing will not be taken away from her. And so this morning, as he talks to Mary, as he said to Martha, he says to all of us, he doesn't say stop serving. He doesn't say stop being busy, but he says don't be distracted. There's plenty of room to sit at the feet of Jesus. This year, guys, as a church, let's get busy doing things for the Lord. But more than that, let's be a church that sits at the feet of Jesus, because then then we can actually be his hands and feet. Let's pray. Can we make a choice right now? All week, the Lord has been grabbing a hold of my heart, calling me by name, Don't be distracted, David. Don't be distracted. Sit at my feet. Sit at my feet. Sit at my feet. Pull away. Pull away. Pull away. Come into that secret place. Don't be distracted. I need to choose Jesus each day. One day I set three alarms on my phone four hours apart. Said every four hours I'm going to go and I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to sit at his feet. And every time the alarm rang, I pushed dismiss and I went on my way doing whatever else until finally, I need you, Jesus. I don't want to talk about doing something that I don't do. Only one thing is needed. Only one thing is needed, brothers and sisters. One thing. Relationship with Jesus that's shown not by our busyness first and foremost, but by sitting at his feet and loving the beautiful name of Jesus. Each new day, you and I need to choose. Every moment we choose Jesus or the million other things. Can we make a choice this morning? Father, I've made this choice every Sunday. Right after a sermon, I said, I'm going to be with you. I said, I'm going to be with you. I said, I'm going to be with you. But man, I need you because I see it in my heart. I'm complaining. I'm bitter sometimes. For me, that's what it is. When I'm most bitter, when I complain the most, it's when I've been most disconnected from my Savior. So let's pray. Let's commit to him. Let's choose. Jesus, I need you. So much room at the feet of Jesus to be intimate with him. Let's pray for a minute and then I'm going to pray for us and we'll continue to worship as we give give ourselves to the Lord. Let's make a decision. 
Let's choose to sit at his feet. The longing for Jesus and the memory of those times in the past, let that create a hunger for those times again in the future. Remembering going back Father in heaven, I think about how many times I've run around so busy for Jesus. All the while Jesus sits in the center of that room watching me run, calling my name, wishing, wanting, longing for me to push stop on the treadmill of ministry and life and doing all these things to see the one thing that's needed. Jesus, I, w- I want to love you. I just want to love you. I just want to love you. That's all I want. And that's all I want for my people here at Harvest. That we would just love you, Jesus. If we get that right, we'll get everything else right. If we don't get that right, Maybe nothing else really matters. So help us. Help us. Cause our love for you to deepen the more we know how much you love us. And it's because you love us we can love you in return. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray.